Hi, everyone, and welcome to season four of the podcast. I'm super excited to be back and to announce that the podcast will now be called the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast to better reflect the subject matter. The first few episodes were recorded before the rebranding, so I still refer to it by its old raw fork name in those. Anyway, I had no idea when I started this podcast that it would evolve to this format, but I did know that I wanted to share people's stories. It has evolved from me reading my blog post out loud to interviewing non-traditional pharmacists, including herbalists. Season 4 will air every Friday, highlighting inspirational pharmacists that chose to fit out of the proverbial box and are working to build a new system of care focusing on natural and preventative medicine. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone, I had a hectic week, so I apologize for getting the podcast out a day later than scheduled. Hopefully we will keep it to air consistently on Fridays moving forward. Anyway, welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy podcast, and I'm pumped to introduce you to my second guest of the season today. I found her leading amazing motivational workshops in her Facebook group and was drawn by her own branding of the Holistic Pharmacist title. Let's welcome Komal George, who is a former national level pharmacist in the UK, turned health slash life coach, pharmacy career change coach, and founder of turmeric supplement brand Amla Pure Health. She has a deep passion for helping others to improve their lifestyles in a holistic way and support her pharmacy colleagues to reach their true career potential. She believes that when we address our inner pharmacy, we change our outer pharmacy. She has 16 plus years of pharmacy experience in both clinical and community pharmacy, as well as expertise in pharmacy policy at a national level, including auditing of electronic prescriptions. You can connect to Komal on Facebook and look at the links below to connect. Thank you and welcome again to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the newly branded The Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. So I have with me today uh, Komal George, and she's the career change pharmacist, but she also goes by the Holistic Pharmacist title. So welcome (laughs) to the show. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me, Marina. It's a pleasure. Yes, the pleasure is mine. So I've been following your work for quite some time, and You've been so great and you have such an amazing energy that I really wanted to have you on the show. I'm super excited. Oh, thank you. That's it's yeah, it's it's such a, it's so lovely to hear when other people uh, you know, hear your work and they're like, Yeah, I agree with it, or you know, they put their hands up and they're like, Yes, you know, it's just really nice to to be here and share it with you. Yeah. And I mean, the title that you go by, it blew me away because I've pretty much been calling myself that too unofficially. And that's why I'm so excited about the rebranding with this podcast here. And so I really just want to get into your story and learn about, you know, where you grew up and how you came to go to pharmacy school and um, just everything. And I know you're an international guest, so I think it's going to be extra interesting. Yeah, sure. So you can probably guess by my accent. I'm from the UK. Um, I live in London. I was born and brought up in London. Um, my parents are of Indian background. And, um, you know, I I grew up in, in a big city <laughs> um, and, you know, loved it. 
I grew up in a very traditional household from the perspective of when it came to careers, right? So, you know, the, the options were, you know, you become a doctor or a pharmacist or a, you know, or a lawyer or, or, or whatever. So um, I, my story of falling into pharmacy is I always call myself like the accidental pharmacist because um, I didn't grow up in a household where, you know, pharmacy was part of, of, uh, of me growing up. My parents, my dad had his own business, but, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a pharmacy child, so to speak, <laughs> if that makes sense. And um, what happened is I, I had a job as a Saturday girl in a, in a local independent pharmacy when I was like 16 my um my uh, a family friend was working in that pharmacy and she was giving up her saturday job and she said do you want it and i said yeah okay and you know and i was working in this pharmacy from when i was 16 and i guess i mean i had such respect for the pharmacist who worked there he was just one of the nicest people that i had met and he was just so, such a lovely lovely man and I would have like all these little old ladies coming into the pharmacy saying to me, oh, you're going to become a pharmacist. And my answer would always be no, <laughs> I'm not going to become a pharmacist. I had no intention of becoming a pharmacist. And it, it kind of happened a little bit by accident because I uh, flunked my chemistry A-level. I did really badly. I didn't get into university the first time round. Um, I actually applied to study microbiology and um, I didn't get in. I had a terrible chemistry teacher and she told my parents that I was not capable of going to university. Um, and so my parents being my parents kind of looked to me, Asian child, they're like, no, there's no way that a child of ours is not going to university. Like this is not gonna happen. Um, and so I had a tutor for my, for my A-level chemistry exam and he was really good. And he said to me, I know you can get a B on your, on your paper. Like, you know, I know you can get into university for sure. And that kind of, he kind of gave me the confidence in myself because my chemistry teacher just didn't believe in me at all. Right. So I retook my chemistry A-level so that I could get into university. And um, I did it in four months and I got an A. Right. So I, I got an A in four months. And uh, the story, I mean, there's a story around that as well, because I um, I actually went I actually uh, it was a private college that I was taking it at. And I called them up and, you know, this is in the days before the Internet. So, like, you know, I had to go through like, you know, the yellow pages, right, had to find this place and um, called them up and I booked myself an interview and I told my dad, I said, tomorrow I have an interview at this college <laughs> to retake my chemistry A-level. And he was just like, okay, <laughs> all right, if this is what you want to do, this is what you want to do. So, uh, so we went along and my chemistry teacher at that college gave me the last place in his class to take the chemistry A-level with them. And he actually, he actually, he actually gave up a place for an old school friend of mine who was interviewed just before me, wow. <laughs> believe it or not. And, um, and so I, I got the last place in his class to take this chemistry A-level again. And, and, and I got an A in, in, in four months. And that A changed my life 
because it changed completely the opportunity that I had opened myself up to in terms of university. And I had a really good friend at the time who was going to study pharmacy at King's College in London. And she just went, why don't you just study pharmacy? Like you could get into pharmacy school. And I just on a whim was like, okay, well, I can get into pharmacy school. Why not do that? I've been working in a pharmacy for like, you know, the last two years. I kind of roughly know what it's like. So, um, so that's what happened. And I managed to get a place at King's College, graduated. Um, for, for those of your like uh, listeners and viewers who, who may not know kind of how the pharmacy schools work in the UK, um, we have, we have, um, we do an M farm basically. So we don't do a doctorate like you guys do. Um, you know, we, we do a, a four year M farm degree and then you do a one year, um, what we call the pre-registration training. And then once you've, you've done that and you cannot, you obviously pass your exam to join the register and then you are obviously a qualified pharmacist. So I went off and I did my degree at King's college. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, four years later, was a pharmacy graduate. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know how this happened, but it happened, you know? Um, and, and in all fairness, like I haven't looked back. I have always had this kind of desire to help in pharmacy and, and that's kind of stayed strong, I feel throughout. But yeah, that's kind of like my early, my early story, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so much there to kind of, uh dig into um I mean the fact that you didn't plan it and it really was accidental and it just was kind of like destiny and fate just kept on giving you these chances and pushing you in that direction even though you weren't really looking for it and then you know from not believing that you could do it and just having somebody else have that belief in you and train you in the way that you were acceptant at learning and and kind of assimilating the information. So having the proper mentor and having that belief and support system really made such a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was my first taste of it really, because, you know, when you're, when you're at school and you're studying, of course your teachers believe in you, but then, you know, like in my family, it was like, you can't have a bad teacher, you know? And it was like, when I had that really terrible chemistry teacher, <laughs> And I kept saying to my parents, I was like, she's really bad. She's a really bad teacher. It's the first time in my entire life that I'd come across a really bad teacher. Wow. Right. And, and I was like, she's just really, really bad. And they just wouldn't believe me. And it was only when they came back from, you know, from that parents meeting with her and they were, and, and she said, your daughter is not capable of going to, I mean, those words, they literally changed the course of my life. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna let this teacher <laughs> you know I, it just really ignited something in me because I was like I'm not gonna let this person say that I'm not capable of going to university when I know I am yeah you know and and I suppose that kind of it that ignited that you know you always feel you feel a bit rebellious right it's like I don't want to I don't want to believe that teacher you know I don't want to believe what they say about me that that's not true you know and and, the, and, and having my tutor at the time say to me, you know, you are capable of, of doing, of getting so much more than, you know, than, than what she believes you can. 
you know, I, that's when those two things came together and I was like, yeah, you know, I can do this. Yeah. You know, when I applied for my, actually, I had, um, I actually had the second time round when I applied for university, because obviously the first time round I'd, I'd lost my places at university. So I had to reapply. And I had originally actually reapplied for microbiology. Right. And I actually had two unconditional offers at two of the top London universities to study microbiology because probably because nobody studies microbiology, <laughs> but, you know, I was predicted to get an A in my chemistry A level. And so, um, you know, and so they were like, yeah, we'll have you, you know, so I had these unconditional offers from like two universities and I gave them up. I gave them up to go and study pharmacy because I was like, no, this is going to give me a completely new opportunity right I'm going to be studying for a vacation I'm going to have a job for the rest of my life you know there's all these things that come into play right when you're deciding on what you want to do next and yeah and then you know and my and my friend at the time saying well you could get into pharmacy school what's wrong with you like you can go and study pharmacy you know and I just thought yeah okay well why not let's try it and uh yeah and it was just it was it was funny because I was badgering the admissions tutor for pharmacy like every single day from when I got my chemistry A-level results in January. And he was so mean to me. And he said, you're gonna have to wait until the summer when everybody else's results come out for you to know whether you've got your place or not. And so I would literally, and in those days, like it was fax. I I was on a fax machine. And I was faxing this guy like every single day. He must have hated me. Um, and I went down to, to the university in person on the day of the results and he gave me the place. Wow. <laughs> That's perseverance there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And so I just want to comment that those inflammatory words of that bad teacher in a way they turned your potentially negative experience into an inspiration, like you said, and like lighting and igniting a fire that otherwise maybe you wouldn't have had. So you had like the balance of the positive and the negative playing off and creating this whole new opportunity. So that's completely, yeah. I mean, maybe you just needed both of those things to happen. For sure. You know, at the time you don't see them, right? But in hindsight, you see them, you see how pivotal these moments are in your life. Right. And yep. that was a really pivotal m- moment for me, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I actually have a similar story about me starting uh, to work at a pharmacy when I was 16, when I was deciding on what I'm going to do in college and with my life. So I also had a really positive, you know, mentorship at the pharmacy and then, um, I actually consider myself super lucky with my teachers. I have to say like 99% of them were amazing. And throughout my schooling, I also don't think I had a bad teacher except one person in high school, which was really ironic because it was like health education. (laughs) (laughs) And my seventh grade health education teacher was amazing and taught me so much that I even used in high school, like what he taught me in junior high and like um, build on that knowledge and he kind of like inspired me and my whole health education journey but then the second health ed teacher was just horrible and 
had like a personal vendetta, I think, against me for some reason. But otherwise, like every teacher I've ever had was just amazing and super good at what they do. So I consider myself super lucky. But, you know, even that experience for you, maybe that also fueled you to be a better healthcare professional, right? Because, you know, you saw a somebody who, you know, just didn't, you just didn't resonate with. No. They just didn't, and they didn't believe in you in the way that your other teachers believed in you. And so, you know, you always feel like you want to do the opposite of that, you know, like you learn what you don't want. Yeah, exactly. So it's like... Um you want to kind of prove them wrong, you know, and, and uh, prove that you do matter and you have value. And that's exactly what we do. We need, like I said, both the push and the pull and the positive support, but sometimes you also need the tough love. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to kind of go back and talk about, you said there was a year after finishing pharmacy school where you have like different dissertations. And so how does that whole year work before you actually get your license? And then what was your first job after pharmacy school? Yeah, sure. So, so here in the UK, we kind of have like three main options as such. I mean, it's changing now, but in, in the days when I qualified, there were kind of three, three options. And once you finished your four-year degree and you got your AMFARM, you then had the option of either working in a hospital setting, like a clinical setting for a year, and then you take the entrance exam for the registration, or you work in community pharmacy, you know, either independent or a multiple or whichever one you choose. And then uh, the other option was you work in industry, Mm. right? And and with industry, it's like a very set path, right? You do your, you know, you do your pre-registration in, in, in industry, you become a registered pharmacist, and then you probably go on to do your doctorate or something, right? And um, and for me, I, <laughs> funnily enough, I did not get, so we had a, the application process in those days, it's completely different now, but in those days, it's like you had to apply to the individual places separately. So for the hospitals, um, which we've which are all under like the National Health Service here there's like one form that you that you apply through right and you choose your pharmacy your hospitals that you want to you want to potentially work in but for community pharmacy you just applied okay. straight out you just you know you sent in your applications to all the different pharmacies and then you waited for somebody to, to say hey we'll interview you well my story is that I didn't I didn't actually get any interviews in community pharmacy apart from one. <laughs> Um, and it was at one multiple and it was the last interview that came through for myself but I got interviews at all the hospitals I applied for and it was it was really it was a really bizarre situation for me because up until that point the only experience I had had was in the pharmacy that I was working in before I went to university right so I had like no experience of, of having worked in, in a hospital at all. The only thing I did was in my final uh, summer before I graduated, I got a bit worried about me not getting a pre-registration place because what, what was happening was that every summer I was, getting, um, I was getting temp work. I was just working in like an accounts department because they wanted me back every summer and they paid really well. And, you know, and that's what I did. And it, it got me through university. And in my final, final summer, I was like worrying about whether I'd get a, a pre-reg place. And so I 
I called up a local hospital to myself um, that specializes in cancer. And I just said, I want to come and shadow you for a couple of weeks. And so I went and I did that. And that was an incredibly eye-opening experience for me. Um, and so when I was applying for my, uh, for my placements, you know, for my, my registration placement, I could, I could put this down, you know, on my application to say, I, you know, I called up some hospitals. I went and I did this voluntary work for a couple of weeks. And so I got, I, I got uh, places at two really amazing hospitals in, in London um, to do my, my uh, pre-registration place. And that kind of pretty much works on like rotation. So you're, you know, it's very, very similar to probably to you guys in the sense that you're clinical pharmacist and you're kind of working through all the different rotations. And I worked in one of the bigger, bigger London hospitals. So that it was St. Mary's Hospital. They had like three or four pharmacies within the hospital um, that specialized in lots of different areas, gum, you know, pediatrics, you know, we had an outpatient, we had a mental health pharmacy. So, you know, it was like, it was very broad spectrum. Um, and it was the best experience, you know, so I worked through all the rotations and I, and I did that. And you also get to go and do community pharmacy for a short period of time as well. So, so that's what I did. And I, and I qualified, you know, passed the pre-registration exam, got onto the register. And then my first job was in a hospital as a clinical pharmacist. So I started off as a clinical pharmacist in hospital. It was in a much more smaller hospital. Um, but it was one that again had like some really interesting rotations. So um, I, I took the opportunity to go and work there and it was part of like a bigger group of hospitals. So we got the opportunity to go and work at the other hospitals too, which was really, really great. So I did that for like two and a half years after I qualified. Um, and I did my clinical certificate here. So like my postgraduate clinical certificate, which, you know, is, is more kind of obviously clinical based. And this, this voice within me that was like, always had this desire to work for pharmacy, do something for pharmacy was kind of, you know, you know, niggling away. Yeah, it was, it was always there. And so I, after my two and a half years in, in clinical pharmacy, I decided to take a jump and go, go into community pharmacy for a while and just see where that took me, you know? Um, and I, you know, I'd built up a really great network. I had some really great friends who were working both in community pharmacy and in hospital. And so I started to work as a locum mm -hmm. in community pharmacy and, uh, you know, worked in some, some bigger multiples, but also worked mainly in, in independent pharmacies. Um, and I started working for a company that did medication for nursing homes and care homes. And that was really eye-opening, <laughs> massively eye-opening. It was a, a big business. Um, we operated from a warehouse. Wow. And it was, it was, yeah, it was like, it was full on. <laughs> It was really, really full on, you know, it was about numbers. Yeah, that's literally what it was about. It was about getting the numbers of prescriptions out the door accurately, you know. Um, and yeah, you know, the truth is it was soul destroying. <laughs> you know, that's, it's, it's the truth. The truth of it was that I, got, I, I went in there all bright eyed, britty tailed, like I'm, I've got these clinical skills I can bring, you know, 
Um, and I got grinded down because it was all about the numbers. And, and I felt, you know, I got to a point in my career then when I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) You know, and I think everyone kind of goes through that at some stage. And that was my, that was my kind of point at which I was like, what am I doing? I turned around to my manager. I said, I can't do this anymore. And she was so good to me. And she just said, you know what? I can see you're not happy. I want you to be happy. Go and do something that you feel happy in, you know? Um, And that's when my journey, my kind of national level journey really kind of started to take off because that's when I got a job at the National Pharmacy Association here in the UK. um, And I was working in their information team, really kind of helping like all community pharmacies, you know? And that was an incredible experience for me. You know, we were in a big team. We had amazing managers, you know, and it was it was like the NPA in those days was kind of described as being like the head office for like independent pharmacies. Wow. You know, so like if they had any questions about their business or, you know, it could be anything, clinical questions, how they run their business, you know, ethical questions it could be absolutely anything that's what we used to deal with you know that's what we dealt with when I was working at the MPA and I absolutely loved that job I learned an incredible amount and it kind of played really well to my I want to help pharmacy right and that's kind of like the journey that I had kind of stepped onto then because I was like well I'm helping I'm helping pharmacy like on a on a much bigger scale Um, And so from there, I then ended up moving on to um, the National Pharmacy Negotiator, which for you guys, you, you know, it's, it's a complete, because obviously we have a completely different setup here in the UK. So we've got, you know, we've got the National Health Service and all the independent and multiple pharmacies on the high street, they all um, have an NHS contract. And so, and that, NHS contract is negotiated on their behalf and I worked for the organization that negotiated that contract so that's basically what I ended up moving on to so I became head of information there um, and then became head of dispensing and supply there um, and really kind of really looking at the macro level you know looking at the big the big numbers you know dealing with things like shortages um, the drug tariff uh, drugs going in and out of the drug tariff, prices, negotiating prices with the government, all of that kind of stuff, you know, looking at the the big picture numbers in terms of the prescriptions. Uh, so, yeah, a very <laughs> convoluted journey, but it's, uh, yeah, that's basically what I ended up doing. Wow. I mean, that is amazing. There's a couple of things there that I also want to kind of dissect a little bit. So first of all, um, I want to commend you for just getting out there and getting all the experiences, like all these diverse, rich experiences that showed you all the different faces of the profession that you are clearly very passionate about elevating. Um, So who gave you the idea of like calling up a hospital and setting up your own, you know, volunteer experience? Because that really made you stand out and you said, you know, you learned so much and it was eye opening for you. So like what kind of just gave you the idea to go ahead and do that? You know, I can't remember who who actually told me about that. 
but I'm sure some someone did. And I can't remember if it was a friend or if it was like a family member or whatever, but I got to the, but I, I think for me, because I had already had this experience of really kind of, you know, I had a difficult experience of getting into university in the first place, right? And so, and I remember there was something that I remember really clearly when I was, when I completed my um, my chemistry A-level and I got my, my A and I was waiting to go to university, I got myself a job as a temp in a, in a company. And it was actually in a betting company, right? And I was working in, in, their, in their accounts department and um, somebody said to me, because I was using their fax machine, <laughs> to fax to fax the university I was using their fax machine every day to fax the university because I didn't have a fax machine at home and um and I remember somebody there saying to me you're really ambitious and I remember and I remember thinking to myself like I'm not ambitious I'm just doing what I feel is right like I didn't I didn't see it as ambition do you know what I mean yeah but I suppose it I suppose I had that kind of driving me to say well look if you don't know how to do something figure it out you know just just figure it out and uh, yeah I can't remember who told me but I I certainly started I started calling I started emailing actually I started emailing as many hospitals local hospitals as I possibly could and I was and I would just send them messages and I'd just say I'm willing to come and just volunteer for a couple of weeks you know, and this this hospital, which was a small hospital, it was very specialist. It was specialist in cancer and burns, but they were really nice. And they responded to my email and they were like, yeah, come, you know, just come. We'll show you what we're about. And it was amazing. And I was, you know, and I think it is about you just putting yourself out there, even though it feels uncomfortable, you know, and I could have just kind of gone oh, well, let me just try and call up all the pharmacies and, you know, and try and get a place and, and that kind of thing. But but I suppose for me, I always, one thing I realized in hindsight when I got my interviews at the hospital was that actually the reason why I got them was because I did something different. Yeah. And I didn't realize that at the time, but it was only afterwards that I realized that because they looked at my CV and they they saw that I wasn't one of those pharmacy students who had done the placement every single year in you know community pharmacy yeah right and become like a, a dispensing technician or whatever it is and and so they I stood out because I'd done something completely different in my summers yeah you know <laughs> and and I suppose that's it's not it's not by design it was in a lot of ways it was just by desire do you know what I mean it's kind of like it's because I was like well this opportunity is available to me why would I be foolish not to take it Mm -hmm. and 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 that's I suppose that's kind of how I've ended up going down the route that I ended up going down because I didn't even actually even with my job at the NPA when I, I applied for my job at the National Pharmacy Association I applied after the deadline Wow. So I called them. I actually called up the manager at the NPA and I said, 
And this was, it was on a Friday because I remember seeing it in the pharmaceutical journal. It was at the back of the pharmaceutical journal. And I remember seeing it there and it was, it was that day's date was a deadline, right? And so I remember calling, calling up the manager and I said, can I still apply for this job? And she said, yeah, of course you can. So that weekend, I wrote my application and I sent it through to her on the Sunday. I emailed it through to her on the Sunday. On the Monday, she called me for interview on Tuesday. Wow. And on the Thursday, I'd got the job. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it's like we always fall into the trap of following the rules. Mm-hmm. And there are times in our lives when you have to follow your gut. Yeah. And I think when I look back, those are those times for me. Yeah. Where I truly followed my gut and it paid off massively. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I think that experience really is the best teacher. So the fact that you secured and you prioritized the diversity of the experiences and that led you down the path that you felt, you know, played off to your skill set. And like you said, you know, you followed your gut and your instinct. And, you know, without, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So it's like, you just what you put it yourself out there and whatever stuck, stuck, but you didn't just bet on one, you know, opportunity. You put yourself out there and you, you know, in, and just ask the universe, like, hey, which one of these things is going to come back and contact me and give me this opportunity? But you didn't just bet on one. You just played, you know, the field and then saw what offers came in and then you evaluated what would be the best course of action. And it, you know, seems to really have paid off and given you such a rich variety of experiences to choose from and see what feels good to you and, you know, fulfills your purpose and place to your strengths. So yeah, and this is exactly also why I appreciate the PharmD program here in the States, because we have like one full year of these diverse rotations that we can set up for ourselves. So we actually like the university provides the legwork for us and we just easily just apply to these different rotations and then, you know, also what sticks and it kind of takes out, you know, a lot of that legwork that you had to do yourself and um, gives you also the opportunity to get all those experiences so that you could know where exactly is it that you want to end up in industry, you know, in government or an independent in hospital, clinical setting, whatever it is. And, you know, I'm really impressed with the, the setting and the system that you guys have. And I imagine, you know, the reimbursement model is very different. And, you know, the insurance side of things has to be very different too, because here everything is like privatized and mm-hmm. we don't have exactly the same system, but hearing you speak, it does seem like we are facing similar problems in terms of like everything being about numbers in one way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ultimately the payment system is designed around the numbers. Yeah. Right. So whether it's a private system or whether it's a national system, you know, underneath the bonnet, it's the same. Yeah. Right. So yeah. And, and, and that, that experience for me was, so incredibly eye-opening. I, I, when I joined PSNC, I was stepping into a world 
that very, 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 very few pharmacists have any understanding of or have any insight into. In fact, very few pharmacists even know about the negotiator, despite the fact that it does a really, really important job for their businesses. Yeah. Like very few pharmacists actually even know about them, what they do, what they stand for, what their, you know, what their mission is, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I, you know, I had, I had to do a lot of growing up very quickly when I joined, you know, the negotiator, because even though I had come from another national organization and I had a very, a pretty good understanding of how like the funding model worked until you actually work for an organization like the, the PSNC, the pharmaceutical services negotiating committee, you have no idea how it actually operates, how complex it is, how the different players that come into play when it comes to like negotiating. And I had to learn super, super quick because they, those are, they're not skills that anybody is teaching you or that you're gonna learn from anywhere else. They are skills you literally have to pick up on the job, wow. you know? So um, yeah, I had to learn super, super quick, super quick. And there were times when I was like, I feel like I'm in too deep, you know? There were times when I was like, whoa, am I doing the right thing here? Um, but it was an incredible experience for me. And, I, and like I said, that, that whole voice, that niggling voice that was always there, you know, I wanted to work for pharmacy. I want to do something for pharmacy. That kind of kept me going because it kept me going from the perspective of even though I know that this work I'm doing, um, you know, not everyone's going to be happy with but I know that I'm doing it for the greater good. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to do this for the greater good. And that kept me going for a long while. It did because I worked, you know, I, I didn't actually leave my job at PSNC until the beginning of this year of, yeah, of this year, actually. So it was like, you know, it's been eight years, over eight years since I was work, you know, working there, but you know, things ebb and flow in your life. And for me, I had my children, you know, I had my son in 2015 and, and, and his, his arrival really changed the landscape for me in terms of my life and what I wanted to achieve. Because I felt like in my career, I'd kind of reached the peak at where I wanted to get to. And so it was like, when you get to your peak, you're like, well, what am I going to do next? <laughs> you know, and my son came along at that time and, it, and he kind of really shifted my perspective of myself my perspective of me as a pharmacist and and you know just my what I want my life to be like you know so that's really when I started my more holistic journey because I I actually started a turmeric supplement in my maternity leave wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I started that in in 20 in 2016 my son was born in late 2015. And then in 2016, I spent my, my time during, during my maternity leave because we get a year here. Wow. Amazing. So we get a year's maternity leave. So I spent a year uh, formulating and creating my own turmeric supplement. And a lot of it had stemmed from, I've always been interested in holistic health, you know, all throughout my life. Like even when I was, um, I mean, in a way I kind of grown up with it because it's part of my culture you know, like 
the med the spice cabinet is the medicines cabinet you know like that that to me is not unusual you know taking turmeric is just like it's like a normal thing so you know um i'd grown up with a lot of these kind of holistic principles um things that really i've incorporated into my daily life that i didn't even know were you know were holistic in any way shape or form they're just things that i do because they're part of my culture and you know it, at the time when I was working in that pharmacy where they were doing the, the medication for the nursing homes and the care homes, I went off on a yoga retreat. Like in the middle of that, I was really like, I was so, I, my, my mind was just so, so cluttered with the numbers. Right. And I was, I was really hating my job and I was really hating my environment. And it was really, it was a really oppressive environment to be in because I was just like this is not this this is not what I signed up for you know and I could find myself like I could feel myself getting more and more angrier like internally because I was like this isn't what I this isn't what I want to do in my life so I went off and I did a yoga retreat in the middle of like this experience and it really it really affirmed to me the importance of like meditation and pranayama and like just like bringing in like presencing myself and so all throughout my life I've always had these kind of I guess you could describe them as like um like holistic sprinkles <laughs> do you know what I mean um and and so that's when I when I in my maternity leave I was already very conscious of everything that I was putting into my body during my maternity you know during my pregnancy um and so I was very much kind of like I was juicing every day and smoothies and, you know, making sure I had enough like omegas and, and everything. And, you know, I was really conscious of everything that I was eating. And so it it kind of felt really natural to me to to do something in a natural way or find a natural alternative for my own immunity and like energy post-pregnancy. And that's kind of a bit how turmeric came about, because my mum gave me she gave me a bottle of turmeric capsules and she said you need to start taking these because you know otherwise we would normally have turmeric in our diet and I I don't eat you know I don't eat Indian food every single day I don't have turmeric in my food every single day so she gave me some turmeric tablets to take and being the pharmacist I was like well what's in these <laughs> So I started looking it up and I was like, what is this? I don't understand. And then I just, I got, I really, really got fascinated by the science. And, you know, I went back and I studied all of the, you know, looked back at all this, all the recent studies and stuff. And I was like blown away. I mean, this is stuff that I haven't looked at for years because why would I, you know, like <laughs> my job didn't require me to look at this stuff. And so I was really blown away. And so I, I, developed my turmeric brand Amala Pure Health during my maternity leave and I launched it and I launched it as a side project um even whilst I went back to my day job wow <laughs> that's amazing thank you I was wondering um where the sprinkles of holistic would come into play and like tell us about that identity of yours of, of the holistic pharmacist so thank you for sharing that story. And like, again, I commend you because I remember my maternity leave, of course, it was not a year long. It was only uh, three months. Yeah. But 
Um, but still, you know, I, I remember I was watching like CE credits and things like that, like, uh, you know, and doing, I was actually still in herb school. So I was doing all the herbal studying, but you know, not everybody would go out and like launch a brand new side project that is actually also a business. So that's amazing. And yes, I, I can totally see the ambition right there. And uh, before we get into like how you became actually the career pharmacy coach, I'd like to challenge you and ask you about like the zoom out macro view that you got from the pharmacy profession that you've had and ask you, you know, what would the ideal healthcare system look like or what components might it have, you know, for it not to be all about the numbers, but obviously we have to be mindful of the money as well. So do you have any ideas as far as how to kind of improve either your model or, you know, what you see in our model or any comments about that? Totally. I, I, I've spoken to this about a few, you know, with a few pharmacy friends and colleagues. And I, I truly believe that the way in which pharmacies got to develop is, is one, it has to embrace the holistic health. Like it has, it has to, whatever shape or form that looks like. And it, I, I can see that it may be different depending on which, you know, locality you're in or, you know, what your, what your individual passions are as a pharmacist as well. Um, but there's definitely, there definitely has to be a much bigger emphasis on holistic health. Here in the UK, it's kind of there, but it's not enough. You know, it's, it's very kind of disease targeted, which is fine. And it's, and it's very kind of, um, I would, I would describe it as being, um, like picking out, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're picking out individual patients or, you know, disease states, so to speak. And you're kind of like doing some more uh, lifestyle related activities in relation to that, but it's not, it's not holistic in the sense that it's not taking the full picture. You know, it's not, it's not looking at a person from all their facets which is what pharmacy really needs to do much more. I believe that pharmacy actually has to become more niche. And the one of the ways in which pharmacy can become more niche is like having pharmacies which potentially are very much focused on particular types of patients. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you might have a pharmacy that completely specializes in pre-diabetes and diabetes, right? Or you might have a pharmacy that specializes in uh, PCOS and infertility and that kind of thing. You know, so I, I believe that actually that's where pharmacy has to shift. Because as, as patients, that's what they need. Like, that's what, that's what you need. You want a pharmacy that you can go to that is has got a holistic, very much a holistic um, core, but you go to the pharmacy that is going to provide you with the holistic approach to your condition. Mm -hmm. And so all of the, you know, everything in that pharmacy revolves around that condition. You know, so, you know, you, you think, okay, a pre-diabetic, diabetic pharmacy, well, what kinds of things are they going to have? okay, well, they, they might have blood pressure checking and glucose checking, right? But they might also have, you know, yoga classes or health coaching classes 
or they might have, you know, and all the products will be, will be geared around pre-diabetes and diabetes patients, right? And so you're giving a much more holistic offering. Now, you know, the, the big question is, how does that get paid? Yeah. Right, that's the big question. Like, how do we shift towards that? But one of the things that I feel very, very strongly about and I say this because I have worked at the national level, right? And I say this, and every time I say this, people are like, you're absolutely right. But disruption doesn't come from the top. Disruption comes from the bottom. And so if we want, if that's the place that we want pharmacy to go in, we have to prove it from the bottom up. You know, we've, we've got to, to push the boat out as pharmacists and pharmacy owners and say this is what I'm this is what I'm going to dedicate my pharmacy to and I want to prove to you that this can work you know and you put the numbers in behind it in terms of okay well this this is the saving that it's providing for the NHS or you know for the healthcare system this is the you know this is the deprescribing that it's resulting in you know the, 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 the overall cost of that and you know the savings and as a result of that right and then you've got your argument yeah right to get the funding on a much more national level so so yeah it has to start from the bottom up yeah someone needs to take the initiative like you yeah. took in your journey yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah thank you for that that was uh really good brainstorming for sure. Um, I totally agree about it It having to be more inclusive and holistic and using like all the tools in our toolbox and especially those that cost very little or next to nothing, like, you know, using breath work, the power of your breath and meditation. And um, that can actually be applied to probably all the specialties out there. So there could be some common like core holistic values that everybody kind of shares and then like some specific things that might be different as well so yeah I think there's something totally to that model um and so lastly we just have a few minutes left so I really want to touch on what happened this year in 2020 you know what made you just shift and totally step into this new role as a career coach yeah sure um I'd love to share that story I mean it's it's been great, actually, to be honest. So what happened is at the beginning of the year, I was focusing on my health, like holistic health coaching. And I was going to go off and do that in a, in a local GP practice and everything. And then COVID obviously hit, <laughs> you know, the big thing that everyone's been dealing with this year. And, um, and I just felt this real pull to help my pharmacy colleagues. You know, I was like, I need to do something to help my pharmacy colleagues. I don't know what that's going to be, but I know I have to do something. I had this real sense like within me that I wanted to do something to help my pharmacy colleagues. So my options were I either go and work in a community pharmacy for a while and support them, you know, hands on, or I do something else. And working in a pharmacy was just not going to be an option because I've got two young, very, very young kids. You know, I, my son was only four at the time. My daughter was, had only just turned two. And so, you know, it was like, well, what am I going to do with my children? Where are they going to, you know, all this kind of stuff. 
my husband's working from home, you know, and so I, um, I put a call out, I basically, um, in a Facebook, in a, in a pharmacy, uh, Facebook group, I said, would you like, uh, a place for kind of health and well-being? Because that's kind of what I know. And that's what I've learned over the last few years. It's like, maybe I can share some kind of like health and well-being tips and things. And that's really kind of where the group kind of my Facebook group kind of grew from. It was called the positive pharmacy space and it was great. And we, you know, we had lots of amazing pharmacies come into that space, but at the same time, I was getting lots of questions about how do I change careers? Like, what do I do to, to become a holistic pharmacist? How can I do these things? You know, I really have this passion for helping people with, you know, their pain, but I don't know how to make this a reality. And so that's kind of really where the career change coaching came from. It kind of stemmed really from a need that my pharmacy colleagues were kind of asking me of, you know, and that's really how, uh, you know, how, how it's kind of come about. And the really interesting thing is when I talk about my pharmacy journey, it's like, of course it makes sense because, you know, my, my pharmacy journey is not linear in any way, shape or form. You know, I have, you know, it's, 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 it's been very, very diverse as you said yourself. Right. And so it's like, you know, and, and plus I've got the experience of having set up my own business as well. And so, you know, I feel very, very passionate about pharmacists being able to actually create their own careers. Like it doesn't have to be a career that is mapped out for you, right? It can be a career that you've created yourself yeah. that is aligned to you. And, and that's really how the career change coach has come about because I feel very, very passionate about helping my colleagues to achieve that for themselves. Yeah, I love that. I mean, this is exactly why I offer this podcast too, to show all the different journeys and ways that we have taken our skills, which we have a lot of as pharmacists and have kind of diversified them and honed in and, you know, specialized in different ways. And especially, you know, um, my favorite is the holistic side and natural medicine. So these are my guests and I'm so, you know, excited and grateful that you came on and shared your story, which was super inspirational for sure. Oh, thank you. And if you just have like one more minute, I have some rapid fire questions. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, what's the number one advice you have for someone that's wanting to improve their quality of life right now? Number one advice look at your daily routine. Like that is the very first step you need to take. Look at your daily routine. What are you spending your time on? Very few of us actually do that. <laughs> and you learn so much just by taking a bird's eye view of what you do every day. Yeah. Just making those shifts. Like, you know, you can, you know, how much time do you spend on social media? How much time do you spend scrolling through stuff, reading unnecessary things, watching unnecessary TV you know, listening to unnecessary things, right? And it's like, you know, or or just kind of whiling away time on stuff that is it serving you? You know, that's that for me has been a huge shift. Huge shift. I don't I hardly watch any television. I literally don't feel the need for it. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I meditate every single day. And and these these things have come about because 
I've taken an observatory look at mm-hmm. my life. So yeah, look at your routine. Yeah, that is such a good one. Um, I'm working on this also. You know, I think it's like a daily practice. It's never totally. like, you know, yeah, it's never like this is a perfect day. It's always like a work in progress. And um, yeah, I think that's such a key first step to just see. And if I may add, like, are you scheduling in time for joy? You know, are you just letting stuff happen to you? Or are you like actually going to say, hey, I want this to happen today because this is important and joyful for me. And then actually making that happen instead of the scrolling or all the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in coaching, we talk about energy giving activities, energy sapping activities, right? So it's it's literally about looking at that and saying, okay, well, which things are actually giving me energy? Which, which things are not giving me energy? And, and that goes for your job too. You know, like which activities in your, and it's one of the things I often, pharmacists often ask me, but I don't know what I want to do. And this is the very first thing that I ask them to do. And I say, which activities do you do in your day job that actually energize you? Because yeah. those are the seeds. They're going to tell you the direction that you, that you need to move in, you know? Yeah. All right. Number two, what's your favorite hobby? What's my favorite hobby? Um, this is probably going to sound really, <laughs> really unusual. I, I actually love kitchen dancing. Kitchen yeah, it's really it's really bad isn't it it's because when you have kids you don't get much opportunity to exercise right so I love a, I love a good kitchen disco like, <laughs> you know put the music on <laughs> have a good old boogie in your kitchen it's and you're it's, cooking right multitasking <laughs> it's brilliant it's brilliant I, I love it <laughs> that's awesome yeah I do that I guess too now that I think about it <laughs> sometimes exactly. living room dancing but sometimes bedroom dancing um so it all depends on the size of your kitchen really exactly. <laughs> um and uh third question what's your favorite beverage to drink favorite beverage to drink um i'm gonna have to say tea <laughs> tea perhaps sorry turmeric tea or another kind? I, I actually love, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of like Indian chai, mm. but I don't have it that often. I only have, it's, it's very milk laden, so I don't really have it that often. But um, yeah, just good old English tea. Mm. I, you know, I, I can't live without it. I have to have my tea every day. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> High five. Um, okay. And lastly, how can people learn more about your work and get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So um, I have a a Facebook group, which is called the Pharmacy Freedom Method. So anybody that wants to join that, you can join that. If you search for it on Facebook, you'll be able to find it. Pharmacy Freedom Method. Um, Connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, you can find me if you search for Comal George, (laughs) Career Change Coach, you'll find me there. Um, Connect with me there. Um, And I'm also on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm on as Kamal the Holistic Pharmacist on Twitter, but you can find me there as well. So, um, yeah. Well, awesome. I'll have all those links down in the show notes. And I want to thank you again for coming on. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Marina. It's been a pleasure to talk to you too. I, I love this conversation. Thank you. All right. Take care of yourself. Keep up the good work. You too. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new. I certainly get super inspired and motivated by my guests, and I hope the same is true for you. If so, I would really appreciate an honest and sweet review on any of the podcast platforms. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week ahead.